With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Brian Baldinger doesn't just like football. He loves football. The single best left tackle in the NFL in 2020 is Teron Armstead. I mean, I guess he didn't get the message. On this shove right here about anti-bullying in America. Football! Football! Yeah! yeah. Football! Yeah. Football! Let's get it. Purple Daily with Brian Baldinger and Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff, our executive producer, and our football-loving and draft-scouting friend from NBC Sports Edge, Tyler Fornish. Is that an Oilers, old-school Oilers hoodie you're rocking today? He loves his Oilers. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, Moon. The, Moon, J- Jersey. That is, that's a name they should bring back. Houston should bring that back. Screw the Texans. That's a terrible name. They could use a refresh at this point, too, I feel like. Well, franchise. It, it, we're going to run into the same problems as the uh, new or, uh, as the Charlotte Hornets trying to get the Hornets name back. Because technically, the Titans own the Oilers trademark. Yeah. And that's the reason why it's the Texans. Bud Adams was kind of a kind of a jerk about it because they wanted to bring the Oilers back uh, when they did the revamp in 2002. Art Modell's like, fine, you can have the Browns. It doesn't mean anything to me anyways. But Well, and also, Tennessee kept the color scheme, too. Like, Tennessee kind of has the Oilers, the baby blue. The scheme, yeah. So you'd have, to, you'd have to have a different color scheme. But let's Bud's make it dead, happen. though. Bud's dead. Go back to, to <laughs> them now and say, give us the Oilers name. Just buy it back from them. I mean, come on. At this point, just hire June Jones as the head coach. Kevin Gilbride as the OC. The ghost of Buddy Ryan. So then they can have uh, punches on the sidelines thrown again. Hell yes. Like, give me some Oilers run and shoot, baby. <laughs> I challenge you guys to an early 90s Oilers name off. Tyler, Tyler Ernest Givens. One yeah. <laughs> move. Haywood Jeffries. Eddie, uh, Eddie George oh, was a Houston Tech. He was a Houston before he was a Tennessee Titan, right? Eddie George was there. Chris, Alonzo Highsmith. Mike Chris Munchak, Dishman, right? Lorenzo Chris White. Dishman, Chris Dishman. Brad Hopkins. <laughs> Mike Munchak played like there, I believe. Amazing. John Jones. William Fuller. Ray Childress. Like, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love Ray Childress. Ray, Chil- oh, Ray Childress is a baller, man. First round pick, 1978. I'll bet, great... I'll bet the audience didn't realize that this was – we tricked you. You thought we were going to talk about Malik Willis. No, we're just going to name random obscure Oilers players from the 90s. But there is only yeah. one Webster name. Slaughter. <laughs> but, there is on, but there is only one name truly when you think of that franchise, and it is the great number, 34, Earl Campbell. 
Yeah. Well, this, was he the one in the in the famous clip where his jersey's being ripped the off in jersey. slow motion? Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. my God! Yeah, yeah. against the the Dolphins Monday mm. night Astrodome, nineteen seventy eight. Because we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Oh, it's fantastic. That's right. We just love football here on uh, Purple Daily. Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. They've got a GM and a coach, so you need those things to win a Super Bowl. So they're off to a good start. Um, Tyler, you were at the Senior Bowl last week. And you can also find Tyler in addition to NBC Sports Edge. He does podcasting work for Climbing the Pocket. Um, We think the Vikings should be in the market for a quarterback either this year or next year. We'd love your thoughts on the quarterbacks that stood out. Let's let's start with quarterbacks. Which quarterbacks? Like People are saying this is kind of a throwaway quarterback draft class, that there's not really any franchise guys in there. Um, give us a full breakdown of who you liked at the Senior Bowl. Absolutely. It's going to start and end with Malik Willis. Uh, when you watched him at Liberty, the whole offense was just backyard football. And I wrote that in my piece for NBC Sports Edge on Tuesday. And somebody snitch tagged Hugh Freeze, and he's and the head coach of Liberty. He's like, "Oh, that win, wins a lot of games there, doesn't it?" Well, at the end of the day, it doesn't really project out to uh, the NFL. And being able to thrive in structure is probably the most important thing for a quarterback. Yes, you love the off-platform stuff. Yes, you love being able to scramble and make plays when the play breaks down. But if you can't play within structure, you're not going to go anywhere. And Malik Willis was set up kind of to fail at Liberty. Uh, all 10 starters uh, surrounding him on the offense are UDFA-type players. We're not talking about a draftable prospect. And when you have that with a scheme that is really, like, RPO-centric, there aren't progressions built into the offense. It's all, like, looking at a safety pre-snap stuff. Malik Willis had to play hero ball, and he had to really win by himself. So playing within structure was not a thing. You go to the Senior Bowl where the entire thing is 100% structure, and he thrived. And he thrived from the start. It was incredible. The ball pops off of his hand. It's a, gener- a genuine bazooka that's attached to his shoulder. He was, able to make, he was able to make throws to the outside, over the middle, deep. You go on my, my Twitter feed from uh, last Tuesday, and you'll just see a bevy of stuff from Malik Willis that day. He was far and away the most traits quarterback. He has the best arm. He's got incredible athleticism. He's a little slower than Lamar Jackson, and he has a similar running style to Jalen Hurts where he's got power, but he's also much faster. He's going to run in the 4-3. Um, if I remember correctly, he has a recorded time of like 4-3-8 in the 40. This is a dynamic athlete. And when you're talking about somebody that you need to bet on to be great, you want to bet on the guy with the high traits. You want to bet on the guy that you believe you can fix their issues. Malik has issues. He does not have a solid base underneath him. He needs to learn how to play quarterback in the pocket. He needs to learn how to trust reads. He needs to learn progression. He needs to learn basic route concepts. That stuff was not afforded to him at Liberty. So he will take time. But you have the potential to be a top five quarterback if you are able to hit on the greatness that is Malik Willis's traits. He, if you're going to bet on a guy to be a Josh Allen type outlier, it's Malik Willis with a bullet. So where um, do you think he goes then draft wise? Top 10? When he goes to the combine and he wows there, he's going to go top 10. I don't think it's. So you'd have to get in the top 10. Yeah. There are going to be teams that are completely out on Willis because of the in-structure struggles. Um, They don't, they don't want to bet on 
him having that outlier type rise like Josh Allen did. But in the piece I wrote for the Vikings Wire, there's so many similarities between the two as far as what they dealt with in college, what they had surrounding them, and how they play the game of football. You can extrapolate it and believe that you can have Willis set on the right path. It may not work, but if you hit, you're talking about a a quarterback that can take you to a Super Bowl. So, and, and some of this is going to, you know, how high does he climb is going to depend on, you know, which teams in the top 10 are actually quarterback needy. You know, Jacksonville, no. Detroit, yes, but I don't know that they would take him at two. So that's an interesting spot. You know, Houston, they're the in on knows? Jared Goff right now, for better or worse. They, okay. will, I think they will take a guy, but from my conversations at the Senior Bowl, it's not going to be top five. They're going to, they're likely going to take Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. That, from what I've been hearing, then that makes sense. Take an edge rusher. You know, keep fortifying the defense. Houston, who the hell knows? I mean, I think they, you know, the Deshaun Watson thing is going to play out. Uh, what's his name? The Stanford kid played pretty well last year. Uh, Davis so. Mills. So we'll see. Uh, the Jets, no. The Giants are kind of a maybe with Daniel Jones. I, I don't s- think they will. But they have, the ownership has spoken about how they've done literally everything to fail Daniel Jones. And I think they want to uh, take this offseason and give him a fighting chance. And I think when you have Brian Dayball as your, as your head coach, he's going to be able to scheme it up. They're going to improve the offensive line. They already have a good group of weapons but they were never healthy last year, and that's why the offense was as abysmal as it was. Carolina's the first team at six that really strikes me as they could draft a quarterback. Like they that's... They're going to take Kenny Pickett. Based on everything I've been hearing, they're enamored with Kenny Pickett. Matt Rule got Kenny Pickett to commit to Temple when Matt Rule was the head coach there, and then he left to Baylor, and, and Pickett flipped over to Pitt. There's a pre-existing relationship there. There's already a comfort factor. Pickett already wanted to go play for Rule, and Rule wanted him. I, no, Rule, it, Rule might Rule Matt, might only get a, about five minutes with Kenny Pickett if the if the season Matt doesn't Rule, go well. <laughs> Matt Rule should be fired right now. Save yourself the heartache and yep. the drama. Fire Matt Rule tomorrow, and and well, he is he's just well, not. And here's here's the thing with Matt Rule and Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's a jag. There's literally nothing he does that'll wow you. He has no elite traits. He is average across the board now you put him on a denver broncos roster you can probably win a super bowl with that because you have a an an average to above average type floor ceiling with kenny pickett it was why the patriots took mac jones they thought they could build an elite enough team around him to compensate for what he doesn't do well uh and pickett really it makes so much sense when you look at the two quarterbacks he's invested in teddy bridgewater post knee injury kind of a jag sam darnold like, Mel Kuyper Jr. is still in love with Darnold. He said he would have taken him over Trevor Lawrence last year. Darnold I, lo- I love, I love, I love, so Jag means just a guy, right? Yes. I love that. I'm going to start. I didn't know that He's that was a, a thing. That's a football yeah. sounder football. right there. I know, I know just a guy is a thing. I didn't know that there was yeah. a shortened version of it. Yeah, I'm, I love it. I'm here for, for the, the shortened version. So real quick here. Um, so if you're right about Kenny Pickett maybe going six, then the Giants are back at seven. You know Atlanta probably looking for a quarterback at some point. I guess my question is if the Vikings, whether it's Malik Willis or somebody else, they're within striking distance. You don't have to trade up to third necessarily to get a quarterback here. Like you might have to trade up to get Malik Willis, but maybe only like five spots or four spots. So it's realistic. Do you think the Vikings should? And I, I will preface this by saying 
whether they keep Kirk for another year or not, they still need a long-term quarterback. And so we're not going to do the whole Kirk. We're not going to litigate the whole Kirk thing again on this show. But if, if whether they keep him or not, they're going to be looking this year, next year, for a quarterback of the future. Should they trade up for Malik Willis? That's a tough one. Um, yeah, I think it all depends on the structure you have in place. Do you believe you can coach him up? It, does Kevin O'Connell have the stones to be like, that's my guy. I believe I can make him great and put him on that Josh Allen type trajectory. If you believe so, you, you trade up for him. But he, that fatal flaw of struggling within structure and struggling to basically run any form of offense that wasn't backyard football, that can be a very tough sell, especially for a guy like O'Connell, who if the Fowler reports are true that he's really enamored and loves a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, these wide, wide zone guys, they like the safe, conservative quarterback. Are they going to want to take a firecracker like Malik Willis? I genuinely don't know. If I were betting my career on it, I'd want to spend some time and kind of see. But the Senior Bowl showed me that he should be a top 10 overall selection. The one team that they're going to have to fight with is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. They were seen all over Mobile talking with his parents, his agent, him himself. And Daniel Jeremiah was on the Ari Myrov show, the, the new PFF podcast. And he was talking about how the entire league believes that he's just going to end up as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Hmm. So there are elements to this in play. The Steelers have shown that they are willing to go up and get their guy. They traded a, a boatload to go up from 20 to 10 to get Devin Bush a few years ago. I wouldn't be shocked if they end up in the top 10 picking Malik Willis. So if, if the Vikings do this or consider it, how about this? I, I'm going to throw this out as a possibility. Is this is this reckless speculation Thursday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It fits. It fits yeah, the uh, speculation. The day of the week. What if you were to accept the, the fact that uh, Kirk's contract, while expensive, is going to come in a year where, where your team was not going to be great, and you actually decided to cut guys that weren't Kirk, keep Kirk on the last year of that massive cap hit, take uh, take Willis and Tyler, develop him. Because it sounds it sounds like you're t- talking about a guy that ideally can spend a year being actually honed and developed. Would mm-hmm. that be now? I know that with a first round QB in 2022, that's rare because teams like to play th- these guys as quickly as possible. But there are a lot of people around the league that believe it is best to try and de- and develop a guy. And it sounds like you're talking about a guy who's got some great raw skills but could use development. Would that thought process work? as a strategy to unveil uh, unveil him as your starter, not in 22, but in 23. I think that strategy would work really well because he's going to have to learn so many of those little nuances about just playing quarterback. He is a playmaker with a bazooka right now, and I don't believe he's a pure structured quarterback like you want to see at the NFL level. He knows how to make plays. He knows how to play hero ball, and he knows how to make just piss missile throws down the field. Yes. And it's, it's incredible what he can do, but right now it's about fixing what he can't do. If you want to start him right away, you can. Just look at the offense that Jalen Hurts runs in Philly. Very run-centric. Very, I'm going to put you in a position to succeed right away. And utilize him on the move. Utilize him in the running game. You can make it work right away. I don't think you have to. I think you can uh, have him behind Kirk Cousins. But uh, I'll pose this question because I know we don't want to get into the whole Kirk thing today because that's just been like beaten to absolute death. But if you keep Kirk Cousins on that $45 million cap hit, is that also you admitting that you're not getting more than a third-round pick in a trade? 
That's yeah. I I agree. I I know where you're going here. That's keeping him on a forty five million dollar cap hit is the third option by ten miles, right? Like, yeah. and I and I I feel like if you've decided, hey, we're not going to extend him. It's just not. We're not going to do this for three more years. We're not going to pay him when he's thirty six, thirty seven, and we're just you know we're just we're not getting enough for the money even on a restructure. Then you have to trade him for almost anything. Like I'm not. I'm not even drawing a line with a third round pick. I'm, if I decide I don't want him as my quarterback beyond 2022, then I am trading him. Now I'm going to try and boost his value. I am trading him for anything. I don't care if it's a fourth or a fifth. You're to me the the cap space is just as valuable, unless it's a first round pick. Like give me the 35 million in cap space. Let me let me build up a roster. Let me find a center. Let me find a right guard. So. Yeah, I don't I don't I just don't see a path to them playing him on a forty five million dollar cap. It doesn't make any sense. I don't, but but I do I do think that it would be a very a constructive way to be bad. I and and mm-hmm. just say, okay, dude's gonna eat nothing that we can do here. And and to not build up around him, actually let some guys that are probably fan favorites go and develop a young quarterback behind him, and then he walks. I, I don't like that idea, but it would be a very Minnesotan passive-aggressive way to be crappy because I think it would drag your team That's down. fair. That's fair. Um, so, all right, Tyler, who – actually, Declan has some let's, – let's watch a little Malik Willis here real quick here. You got some clips here for us, Dex? Yep. All right, let's see. Beautiful deep ball. Look at that beautiful deep ball. What what great photography work there too. Videography work by Tyler Fornis. Was that you? you that was that me. You're right. Okay. Just uh, following that ball perfectly. You know, maybe maybe if this football analysis career doesn't work out, you can uh, you can work for Fox as a camera <laughs> operator or something. Brilliant. So um, all right, let's get into some other potential targets, players, guys who stood out here. But uh, first, Judd, a cheers to our friends at Surly Brewing Company. In, and and before you brag the, about Surly, yeah, yeah. I want to throw this out too. That today's code word is pint. Today's yeah. code word is pint. Yeah, if you want to hang out with us hoodie. at the Surly Brewing Hall on February nineteenth, Saturday, February nineteenth, we're gonna do a tour at four o'clock. We're gonna hang out, talk some purple, just a small group. You can enter to win on the Score North app, listener reward section, and uh, today's code word is pint. So there you go. Love a good pint, and and so the big game on Sunday. You're saying, "What am I, Judd? What am I gonna have to drink?" Which, and I'm gonna tell you right now, there's only one, one choice: Surly, Surly Brewing. But it's not just one beer. Go to your liquor store in the next couple of days. The first Surly variety pack of 2022 is out. We, we got the uh, the Furious, of course, Havoc Machine, Ghost Empire Dark Lager, and the Hyper Modern Idaho Seven IPA, which I've been talking about now for a few days. Absolutely delicious. The variety pack from Surly. Have it by your side when you're watching the big game on Sunday. You'll be glad that you did. And, of course, show us your cans. cans. Show us your cans. Thank you very right. much. At Jay Zolgan on Twitter. All right. Hey, what? Feel, feel free to come buy it for me. Top 10 liquors in Osseo. I will sell you plenty of Surly. <laughs> yes, Great cross-promotion, my man. Thank you. Osseo. All right. Um, give us some more quarterback notes. Who else? How, how, how do you sort of? How are you shaking out your your quarterback rankings based on what you saw at the Senior Bowl, Tyler? So one of the big things you want to see is you want to see everything is contextualized based on the film. And hey, Malik Willis can't succeed inside a structure. He hasn't been able to show it. Well, he showed it here, and it shows you hey, 
because he was able to do an environment that was basically set up for him to fail, then you can kind of use that as a projection to be like, hey, maybe we can teach this guy. And then it kind of gets the ball rolling. You also want to see, hey, he's going into a structured environment and then he just tanks. Why, why is he playing as poorly as he is? And you also want to see guys play within the same level of competition because this is an incredibly even playing field. And this is why small school guys like Bailey Zappi really have a chance to stand out. And I think Zappi specifically had a little bit of a struggle on day one. He doesn't have a Nerf gun for an arm. It's actually pretty solid. And he's able to fire all the difficult outside throws with ease because it's just air, classic air raid stuff. Um, Desmond Ritter, there are people who I respect that think he's really, really good. I don't get it. I He is so inaccurate. He kind of reminds me of watching Tavares Jackson like 07. He's got all the talent. He's got the mental capacity. But when he's on the field, the ball goes everywhere. And it, he showed it consistently in practice what I saw littered over his tape. I don't think I could touch him before day three. Uh, Carson Strong has a howitzer. Just, just an absolute cannon. But he arcs the ball way too much. It's almost like watching like a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar skyhook. Just like <laughs> nice and arched going into the, the basket. And it cost him a couple times on those deep throws. Um, Kobe Bryant, the cornerback from Cincinnati, had a really nice pass breakup. He was the Jim Thorpe Award winner. He had a great week. Um, and then I heard Strong, he kind of went against the, some of what the Jets were trying to do. They tried to want to go with a rhythm offense, timing, and he just wanted to show off the arm and show that he was mobile. And I heard he did not do very well in interviews either. Kind of was more on his own agenda than he was anything else. What's up then, with his knee, too? Doesn't he have a – he's got a knee condition or something, too? That The knee looked great. It okay. looks – I didn't see any issues with it. Obviously, you're not going to know in, unless you see structural damage um, with, like, an MRI. But I thought the knee was just fine. He was able to move pretty crisp. I think he moves like Dan Marino in the pocket. Just – he is able to sense pressure, slide away from it, move everywhere in the pocket to avoid it. And I, I got a couple clips on on the Twitter machine where he was doing just that and he looked really good, but he's never going to be a guy to win outside of structure. He's never going to be somebody who's going to scramble and make plays like a Mahomes or Josh Allen. And you have to be able to live with that. You can live with that when you have the kind of arm he does, but it does limit your offense somewhat. So it's something you have to keep in mind. Um, Sam Howell, he's like, he gets the Baker Mayfield comp. And when you see him on the field, like body type wise, almost identical. The difference between Mayfield and Sam Howell is Mayfield has the balls to take a shot. He will be aggressive and try and make that big play. Howell's pretty conservative. He threw the ball away in two wide receiver drills. It was two wide receivers and three defenders, and he threw the ball away. Big red flag for me. <laughs> I think he fits right in, actually. Yeah, if you want to go from Kirk Cousins to Sam Howell, you're going to be dealing with a lot of the same stuff as far as frustrations that you deal with Kirk. Yeah. There's talent there, but I'm out on Sam Howell. Uh, my rankings throughout the week, uh, as far as who performed the best, was Willis at one, followed by Strong, Zappy, Pickett, Howell, and Desmond Ritter following up the list. So it kind of sounds like if you don't if you don't commit to Malik Willis in the first round, then it might just be try to develop Kellen Mond if you if you wind up trading Kirk, find a bridge guy and, and set your sights on 2023 for quarterback. 
Is it or is that um, oversimplifying it? It might be oversimplifying. Um, we still don't know about Macarell. Macarell was ineligible for the game because um, and. Because he wasn't there, some argued he had the best week outside of Malik Willis because everybody else didn't perform very well. Yeah. Corral runs that heavy RPO-centric uh, offense. Um, Jeff Levy went on to be the offensive coordinator for this next year at Oklahoma. It's very simple. Half-field reads. You're not utilizing a lot of progressions. And most of his production, like something like 75%, came within five yards of the line of scrimmage. That's based on what the offense is. There were some reads that he just flat out missed that were pretty brutal. Like, oh, I'm going to take like an eight yard in when the post is literally half a second from coming open for a touchdown. So he's got some frustrating stuff, but he's got a really good arm. He's He's got a lot of like determination. He's got guts. Really good runner. Does not turn the ball over as far as running the football, which is a good thing. But he takes a lot of unnecessary hits that you just worry that's going to cost them long term. Um, Howell's got a lot of questions, or sorry, Corral has a lot of questions too, but I'm, I think it's going to be Willis, Pickett, and Corral that are going to be the three guys that are going to be drafted in the first round. Strong, I think, has an outside shot, um, but I don't think the others do. Who had, among these guys, the, the off the field it factor? Who, who had the most, because I mean, that's, to me, an incredibly important thing. It's hard to pick up on at times, but there's always a guy or two who's got a, a it factor that becomes incredibly important. And, you know, with uh, with Kirk being gone here eventually, I think that's something that the Vikings, no question, are going to look for. So who impressed you as far as their smarts, their mentality, and, and their sort of Joe Burrow, I got sacked nine times, but I don't give a damn. I don't think there's anybody like that in, in this group as far as what I saw. Uh, one thing that uh, really stood out on tape is Carson Strong at, at Nevada running that air raid. That, and kind of, it's kind of like a, an air raid pistol hybrid. So if you remember the Colin Kaepernick offense that he ran before he was drafted, it was very run-centric. And they do like running the football at Nevada, but it's very heavy air raid passing game concepts. There's a lot that you have to do at the line of scrimmage as the quarterback in that system. And Carson Strong was able to kind of dominate that. And he showed that he was able to have command at the line of scrimmage here at the Senior Bowl. I think Malik Willis uh, far and away looked like the most vibrant. But being as far away as we were, you're not able to hear a lot. I do know that in interviews, um, Bailey Zappi was just a gentleman. Like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Just just a really good guy. Um, but I didn't think anybody stood out as like that real alpha leader. Like you're kind of alluding to like a Joe Burrow. Obviously, somebody like Burrow is special, but I didn't think any of them showed characteristics that worry you as a leader. Uh, I don't think there were any uh, quote-unquote betas in in that group. I just didn't think anybody stood out as an exemplary um, trait, uh, so to speak. Give us uh, real quick, and we'll get to random Viking of the week here Football. as well, but... Non-quarterbacks. So, you know, you know Vikings... Shocking. They need cornerback help in the draft, potentially. Yeah, There's still two starting offensive linemen short, as far as I'm concerned, at center and right guard. Um, there's some other, you know, I, another edge rusher, depending on what happens with Daniil Hunter, too. You know, who else is standing out to you, whether it's senior bowl or otherwise, that might make sense for the Vikings at 12 if they don't take a quarterback, Tyler? Absolutely. So I dove into this really deep uh, 
on my piece for the Vikings wire yesterday, I did about 2000 words on what the Vikings could really take away from that entire week in mobile, as far as moving forward, interior offensive line is a very weak class outside of about the top three. Mm. Um, unless you want to go one end of round one, early round two, you're not going to get one that's going to be able to contribute right away, or maybe not even contribute your two to a level that you would want. Um, cornerback is very top heavy. So I would high recommend getting a guy early, either in round one or round two. Um, pass rushers, a lot of them. There are a lot of good pass rushers. And the interior defensive line class is going to be stacked on day two. Um, Travis Jones out of UConn, like zero technique or a shade one, just massive power, and he's got a lot of quickness. He was the biggest bully on the interior the entire Football. week. on Winfrey, the, uh, the former junior college transfer from Oklahoma, uh, he was the most dominant interior defensive lineman all week. He was so dominant that in team drills, they were intentionally double-teaming him every play, and he was still disrupting. Mm-hmm. Um, the Far and away, the best player in Mobile was Florida State edge Jermaine Johnson. Utilized the, last year at Georgia, um, some people may remember him because he was a last-chance U guy. At Georgia, he was really a one-trick pony, just basically one with one pass-rushing tool. Now he's got like three or four, and he uses incredible length and power. He's got enough bend to be successful, and he was incredibly dominant. There's a rep against uh, Kentucky's Darian Kennard, uh, who's kind of like a tackle guard prospect. What Deuce Staley, who was the acting head coach for the American team, did was at the end of every practice, they did a one-on-one, best on best. And Jermaine Johnson buried Kennard into the ground like he was yesterday's leftovers. It was... (laughs) It, it was a very, very impressive uh, thing that he did. Um, edge rusher, you can get guys in rounds one, two, and three, and they can contribute early and often. Um, Minnesota's Boye Moffitt had one of the best weeks. Struggled yeah. on day one, showed a lot of rebound on day two. Day three was really good, and then he was the best player in, in the game on Saturday. Um, I have it on good authority. He's going to test very, very similar to Daniil Hunter. And Daniel Jeremiah thinks he's a first-round caliber player. Wow, interesting. So I could, so I could see the way this shakes out, especially because the Vikings' offensive line right now is so young. It's one of the youngest in the NFL. You got a, you know, Christian Darrisa uh, under twenty-four. You know, Ezra Cleveland's like twenty-four. Um, right. You know, I don't think Bradbury is going to start anymore. But like, pretty much everyone is. Brian O'Neill is like the veteran, and he's only been in the league for what four years. So I could I could easily see them if 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 if, if you're saying that the interior offensive lineman pool is thin in the draft, find some free agency money, go sign a veteran center or a veteran right guard, and and just bring some experience to that group. And then I could see them if they don't take a quarterback going defense in both the first two rounds, a cornerback and an edge rusher, and and doing it that way. That's I think that's probably the most likely scenario right now. And it's probably the smartest scenario if you don't go quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edge rusher and corner, obviously two huge needs on the Vikings. And these classes are very, very good. Whoever you take in round two is probably a day one starter, not necessarily because of a necessity. You're going to get real talent on day two just because of how deep this class is. There is a group of about 10 or 11 pass rushers that could realistically go in round one. And some of those might not even go in round two. It's just a very deep class with a lot of diversity. There is, you can get any type of pass rush. You can get a speed guy, a power guy, a guy who's more of a hybrid, a 4-3, a 5-technique, a 3-4. There's uh, something for everybody's taste. And with the presumed hire of Ed Donatel, 
one thing that he and Vic Fangio have done is they have crafted their defense around who's rushing the passer. So I don't think they're going to limit themselves based on uh, what kind of scheme they run and who they draft. They're just going to draft a really dang good football player if they choose to go the edge route. And that should be really exciting for Vikings fans. Hey, so if, if they, they do go to a 3-4, th- which I think they're going to, it sounds like it. Um, who do you think currently on the roster, especially among the, the defensive starters, Tyler, who do you think doesn't fit in? Who, who do you think is going to probably have to be replaced because they probably are more of a traditional 4-3 guy but don't necessarily fit the 34, as I like to call it? I think with the way the NFL is trending is they're utilizing a lot of hybrid style fronts and they're using it based on uh, situations. I actually think the Vikings defense could translate pretty decently into a three, four right away. You could put both Dalvin Tomlinson and Sheldon Richardson at those end spots and feel pretty comfortable. Michael Pierce is built to play a three, four nose tackle. Mm-hmm. Kendricks can play a three, four middle linebacker, but I'm worried about him long-term because I think he's already on the, on the downside of his career. Yeah. And that's kind of scary. Daniel Hunter, use him however you want. He's, he's going to be successful standing up hand in the dirt. I don't really think it matters with him. He's just, he's that good. Yeah. That's going to be, I'm curious to see what they do with him in the off season here too. Football. Um, so you can find, you know, Tyler does great work. Vikings wire. As he mentioned, there's a big article out NBC sports edge and uh, climb in the pocket and check him out on Twitter. He is uh, very engaging on, on the uh, Twitter sphere too. So, Jeb, before we get to random Viking of the week and you attempt to snap your three-week losing streak here. Yeah, don't bring that up. Why don't you tell us about how much you've lost off the jowls of your neck? Um, I think we have visual evidence of this. Oh, Declan Goff, can you show the before and after? Look All right, folks, this guy. if you are watching this right now, and if you are, we certainly appreciate it. That that guy on the left, well, let's just say he was, um, how can I put this nicely about myself? Rotund. The guy <laughs> on, on the right, things now fit him. And look at that face. Look at the face. Both were sort of the, the scruff. So it's it's apples to apples. Uh, but but the scruff is still there. The three chins are, are gone. That's thanks to my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers down in those shots, 30 plus pounds. That's right, down 30 plus pounds. And so if you saw that, you are saying to yourself, Judd, how do I do what you did? Because you're just you're just Judd. I mean, come on, I can do it too. And I got news for you. You can. It's the I did an eight-week challenge. Get your first eight weeks for free. That's right, for free. In that time, I lost 26 pounds. Imagine losing 26 pounds. 855, go L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Inside the, the state. Um, there are locations that you can go to. It's fantastic. But if you're outside the state, livea.com, consultation on Zoom. You, you can actually get the food. And there's not a ton of, of work and upkeep here. It's easy, but sent to you. So inside or outside the state, you too can shed the pounds like I have. Livia.com, livea.com. Do not delay or lose the weight. There we go. Do not delay. Lose the weight today. See, I could be your marketing manager. I like it. Uh, All right. It's time now for the random Viking of the week. One of our favorite. Three week losing streak. All right. Let's go. Segments here. So, uh, Judd, you have a 15 to nine lead on Declan. And just like we did last time, a couple weeks ago, we're going to have Declan and Tyler team up against you. So if 
Like Tyler got the last one in a in the blink of an eye. Jarek McKinnon, like three, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yep. Right. Jarek McKinnon, a couple weeks ago. Jarek McKinnon. So uh, yeah, the last five random Vikings are now Fahu Tahi, Mitch Berger, Toby Gerhart, Jarek McKinnon, and John Carlson. And again, the rules are: I'm going to throw out a series of clues. You guys, each, all of you get three incorrect guesses. And um, you can ask me questions if you want to, but I can refuse to answer. So if you think you know, shout it out. My money's on Tyler here. Yep. Yeah, so, me uh, too, until me too. further notice. So, Declan, just don't throw out three incorrect guesses before. Uh, we'll do. You know. I don't like the fact that you're that, that he gets Declan, though. Like, I mean, it feels like it. it that's not really fair. Well, Declan, Declan's done fine on his own, too, the, the last Right, exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. All right. This random Viking of the week hails originally from Brooklyn, New York. This random Viking of the week played college football in the SEC. Can you guys hear the birds chirping outside? Oh, yeah. Random oh, birds chirping on a random Viking of the week. dog is barking too loud. She's very <laughs> upset about something, and I have no idea what. Do you have to go? She's no, no. She's been barking the the entire <laughs> show. So I keep go look. Having to mute. No, I don't care. She's just <laughs> melting down. Get out. Be quiet. Okay. All right. This random Viking of the week once scored touchdowns on Monday Night Football for two different teams in the same season. Well, that's a great clue. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times that's happened, but definitely happened. All right, this random Viking of the Week played for five different NFL teams in his career. Okay. When he was in high school, in addition to being a really good football player, obviously, he was a pretty darn good high school basketball player. He helped his team to the state championship as a junior. In his NFL career, he played for these head coaches. How about this list, by the way? It's a power list here. John Fox, Mike Tice, Brad Childress, Tony Dungy, and Bill Belichick. After spending two seasons out of football, he was drafted by the Florida Tuskers in the UFL premier season draft. Tyler, this is right up your alley. Tyler, how much All how right. much Florida Tuskers football have you consumed? All right, life? I'm I'm gonna None. take a guess. I'm gonna take a guess here. I don't think it's right, but but there's certain things about this that ring a bell a little bit. Darius Renard. Ooh, that's a great. We should we should definitely save that one for. No, if he played football at West Virginia, that would okay. have been the Big East at that time. Okay. Dar- Darius Renard, too. I didn't know as Judd and I can attest, football. had one of the worst days of rookie mini camps I have ever seen when he he literally dropped like every pass that was stuck. Him. <laughs> and know? then got traded to the Giants right wasn't he in the Sage Rosenfels trade yes yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what that was probably Coughlin at the time okay yeah 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 Tice all right hey Phil did the Vikings draft this player nobody drafted this player okay nobody drafted this player but the Vikings were not the first team he played for. This player caught mm. 10 passes in the tuck rule game. Oh, got it. Jermaine Wiggins. Jermaine Wiggins. Oh, Tyler. Whoa, Tyler whoa. gets it. <laughs> I, knew, I knew when you said the tuck rule game. I'm so glad I got to deliver that clue. I was worried that you guys were going to get it before that clue. And I didn't want to unveil that clue too early. 
I he was caught 10 passes in the tuck league. I was not even thinking tight ends. Yeah, I, I should have gotten it the yeah. second you said Belichick. And Brooklyn, New York. I didn't oh, know man. that, actually. My, my only other clue, and I don't know if Judd might have gotten this, oh. one. my only other clue was going to be uh, his favorite night of the week is Tuesday night. I'll play, I don't care what, we'll play Dude, football on Sunday on, night, uh, Monday night, Thursday night, Boston Tuesday Talk show night. now, right? He does Boston radio. And, Talk. Yep, he's done radio for both WEI and the, the Hub. I was like a second beat behind, but like, because <laughs> I was saying Jermaine Wiggins, and you were saying. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's good. Congratulations, awesome. Tyler and Declan. It's a four-game winning streak. Oh, I was so close. So close. Jermaine Wiggins, man. Jermaine Wiggins, one of the only tight ends that would hurdle over defenders. Oh, was amazing. Way to seven yard Mm -hmm. gains. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's good, though. He could catch the ball. He he could definitely catch. Yeah, he was he was a legitimate uh, pass catching tight end. So, all right, Tyler, give a if you guys want to follow Tyler Fornis, he's all over Twitter. What other projects are coming up that people should keep an eye on for you? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter at The Real Forno. I've got a mailbag piece coming out tomorrow for the Vikings Wire, uh, 2,000 words on a myriad of topics. Um, I'll be doing some stuff for NBC Sports Edge. And then every Monday night on the Climbing the Pocket YouTube channel, Mock Draft Mondays, where we uh, do a mock draft each night. And we talk about uh, different position groups, different things that could be impacting the Vikings this offseason and that draft strategy. I want to mock. Mock! Love it. Love it, love it. All right, that's a wrap on today's draft edition and speculation of uh, Purple Daily here. Mackie, Judd, executive producer Declan, Tyler Fornis. We'll see you guys tomorrow.